0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports
1: Nightly. Adrian in the shotgun, claps his hand, follows a block of Mills, and there, touchdown Nebraska. Adrian Martinez untouched into that golden zone, and Nebraska stretches their lead to 33 to 13.
0: Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up, and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
1: And thank you so much for spending some of your Tuesday night with us. We're honored to have your Prince presence with us for the next three hours. We'll try to keep you informed and entertained. Those go hand in hand, I think, when you talk about sports talk radio. Some fun stuff going on. Austin talked about tonight's the start of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. In fact, that will knock us off the air tomorrow as the Huskers host the Yellow Jackets. Georgia Tech, they're coming off a huge win over Kentucky over the weekend. Uh, That game will tip at 6.15 tomorrow night, so we will not have sports nightly because of that game tomorrow night. But looking forward to hearing Fred Hoiberg's team back. In fact, we'll hear from the coach coming up in hour number two. He had a press conference today. We'll give you some of the highlights of that uh, in the second hour of the program. The Husker assistant coaches, coordinators, met with the media today as the Big Red football team gets ready for their home finale on Saturday against Minnesota. It's an 11 o'clock kick. We'll hear from both Matt Lubick and... And Eric Chenander coming off the Purdue victory and then getting ready for the Gophers. A chance for Nebraska to string a couple together, so we'll have that for you here in a few minutes. We're going to go beyond the headlines. has been a while since we've done that. We'll hear from Brett and from Austin for that. Coming up in the second hour of the program, Top 10 Tuesday is here we're going to talk about the top 10 surprising teams of college football here this fall some good some bad looking forward to throwing that list at everybody in the third hour and gary pepin husker longtime huskers track and field coach will be along with us as well and i should mention we'll also have our nebraska lottery big red replay uh, of the week that will be coming up in hour number two if you'd like to be a part of the show numbers 531-500-4686 that's our sports nightly hotline Brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. You can also fire a text at that very same number. Well, Ben, uh, today was probably the Big Ten's worst nightmare with the announcement around midday that the Michigan-Ohio State game is off which is going to leave the Buckeyes one game short of the preseason mandated. You have to play six to qualify for the Big Ten title game.
2: Boy, what a pickle. The Big Ten is in now. (laughs) I mean, can you say karma? Can you absolutely say karma? Um, This is just, it's, I mean, you, you almost just can't make it up um uh, you, you could almost see it coming we had adam on yesterday you know he talked about how um you know it was looking more positive that michigan at least had some semblance of a of a practice yesterday unfortunately um that that practice uh meant really nothing in regards to the status of the game um adam was pretty clear to us yesterday that he thought that the big 10 needed to Make something happen for Ohio State, either in the sense that they would um, be, it, w- it would behoove them to to move somebody off of a, of a game that um, that was happening to make it play to make Ohio State get that sixth game, or bend the rule that was put in place by the presidents and chancellors that was voted on before the season starts. It's so funny to me uh, that when Nebraska was trying to schedule. An opponent um, in Tennessee, Chattanooga, and the second week against Wisconsin, that this was a hard and fast rule. The decision was the decision. It was final. It was decided on, and that was the end of it. and And Nebraska needed to move on, and it was insubordinate for even them suggesting or, or trying to make something happen. Um, it, it was Nebraska was completely out of line, according to everybody else around the league. Now, once Ohio State is short that sixth game, um, every national media member that was all over Nebraska for trying to do that, they're suggesting they play Texas A&M. They're suggesting they play Coastal Carolina. They're suggesting they do this, do that. The other thing, um, just the absolute hypocrisy today that's come out um, from the media that continue to talk out both sides of their head has has really been quite amazing, and you're absolutely right. Um, it's it's been a a terrible, terrible le- uh, day for the league, and and specifically Kevin Warren, um, and had his league put out an absolute bush league comment um, release type thing earlier today, and say, um, you know, he had some comments come out and say, you know, we're we're going to continue to be transparent, we're going to continue to to keep everybody in the loop, and continue to, to be, you know, communicate and, and say what we're feeling. And, you know, one thing's for sure. We have to be, you know, we're going to treat this like a fluid situation. So this conference is a joke, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know, uh, I think they were hoping, you know, that
1: you might have two games canceled, and we might now. Indiana and Purdue have both this afternoon paused activities they're supposed to play for that old, that old Oaken Bucket on Saturday, uh, but that doesn't do Ohio State any good because both of those teams are in 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 peril, and they've already played Indiana. So if you're Indiana, going, oh, we ain't playing them again. If 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 Indiana was okay and Purdue couldn't play, there's no way Indiana's like, yeah, yeah, let's let's play the Buckeyes again. Um, and, and I know there was some, some talk earlier in the week that, well, if Minnesota can't play and Michigan can't play this, have the Buckeyes play the Huskers. No, 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 we don't need to be doing that. now come on, forget that. Um, is it hypocritical? Absolutely. It is absolutely hypocritical, but I do think the league ought to figure out something to get Ohio State in there. Now, whether it's bend the rule and say, okay, we're going to let them get in with five games because they did beat Indiana, the closest pursuer to them in the East. They did play. So we do have a true champion in that division because they played and Ohio State won the game fair and square, and there's nobody else in the division that could have caught the Buckeyes with the full complement of games. So my guess is that's what they're going to do. They're not going to let Ohio State play somebody because I think they would then completely have egg in their face, but I do think that they will revisit the six-game rule to allow the Buckeyes play in the championship game next week. Are you? How, yeah, how does that? How does that make you feel if they go and go that direction tomorrow? And the ADs do meet in the morning. They'll make some re- recommendation to the presidents and chancellors, who will then get on a call. I'm guessing sometime
2: tomorrow, tomorrow night, and make
1: the final decision.
2: Well, and I, I want to clarify I, just because um, this has happened to Nebraska, to where you know we were treated very poorly by a lot of other people, and had the types of opinions that were thrown out about the program and, and Bill Moose and his vision and and what Nebraska wanted. Um, That doesn't mean that I don't think Ohio state um, should suffer. I I don't think that Ohio state uh, is in the wrong for wanting to, um, you know, get that sixth game or, or find a, a tweak to the rule. Now, Bloomington, Indiana is going to have a huge issue if you know Ohio State is given uh, a hall pass or some special circumstance was created for the Buckeyes. I get it. If you're a Hoosier fan, my response to that would be, you had your shot, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. you know it's it's kind of a tough luck deal. Um, but at the same time, I think you're doing your conference a disservice if you have a, a team that's capable of winning a national championship um, to not be able to, to play in that. I understand. I understand how as a conference you, you would be doing yourself a disservice if you're not at least having that conversation and, and having another vote or whatever it is. But I, I just think that um, maybe an apology would be nice. <laughs> you know, I think that, you know, okay, Nebraska, maybe you were onto something. We should have listened to you. Uh, that would make everybody feel a little bit better. Just because I feel like it's hypocritical Nebraska got hosed doesn't mean I feel like Ohio State should sit on the sideline and nothing should happen Agreed. because I do think that team th- belongs in competing for whatever prize we have at the end of this college football season.
1: Buckle up and put the phone down. That's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Austin and I were talking about this earlier today, Ben. Everything Nebraska pushed for is being proven to be on the right side of this thing. Nebraska was pushing for a season. They were right. We needed to have a season in the fall, not this ridiculous thought of playing spring football. Nebraska wanted the season to start earlier to build in flexibility with bye weeks and off weeks because they knew there were going to be things. The rest of the league pushed back. Nebraska has been proven to be right. Nebraska wanted to be able to schedule not a conference game if they got banged. Uh, some of the, They were set to play, couldn't play, and the game got banged. They're being proven right again. So on all three big cases of this thing over the last five, six months, Nebraska has been right. And you will not get an apology or a tip of the cap or, yeah, you were right from Pat Forty. He's got too much of an ego to swallow that big pill. And, you know, so you're not going to get it from him. But like Stuart Mandel today, the national writer, was basically saying he was the one you alluded to it earlier, pushing for the A&M-Ohio State matchup, and you go back and look at his Twitter feed when Nebraska wanted to play Chattanooga and he was just killing Nebraska. You're never going to get it from those Mm -hmm. people because they hope you forget about it. But you're right. I I don't want Ohio State to be penalized by this. My guess is the ADs meet tomorrow. They're going to waive the six-game rule and allow Ohio State to play Northwestern next week in the championship game. That's what I think is going to end up happening.
2: Yeah, I think so as well. We can't let Nicole Auerbach off the hook here either. Um, she's <laughs> she's been on a. I mean, if we're if we're gonna throw names out there, her name's on the Mount Rushmore as well, uh, because apparently her feelings got hurt, you know, by by Husker fans on Twitter. So she admitted that it was a personal vendetta, essentially, with one of her replies to a fan a few weeks ago. Um, but yeah, absolutely hypocritical. But you know, I think you know in the long run that. You know, Ohio State, or or uh, whoever it may have been, whether Penn State was the team that was undefeated, Wisconsin was the team that was undefeated, whoever it would have been. You know, number one, it's more it's more revenue for the conference, more revenue for the league if that team's playing at the end. Number two, why would you not want your team competing uh, on a national scale? I mean, in a day and age where we're always talking about conference superiority, you're going to take yourselves out of that equation and let the SEC grab another spot. Or let another conference steal that spot. Um, and I think a, t- a technicality by this six game rule or five game rule or seven game rule, whatever it ended up being, um, yeah, I, I mean, number one, this should have been avoided from the get go. I mean, as you said, the season needed to start earlier. Um, there was a team in a specific state in this conference that likes to eat cheese that wanted to, you know, wanted the season to start later than everybody else because of reasons that they couldn't practice on time, whatever. Um, they couldn't get COVID under control even with that extra week of practice. So it's kind of ironic how that ended up working out as well. But I just think that it's, 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 it's a disservice to Ohio State and to the league to at least not that let them play a Clemson or an Alabama or a Notre Dame at the end of the year. And there's going to be a lot of
1: people that disagree with us. And I understand that. In fact, Bob on our text line said there's no way the conference should let Ohio State get in that championship game because of no leadership in the conference. So there are going to be people that disagree with our takes on this. But Ohio State was with us way back in August that we should play, and they helped push this through. Their doctor, Dr. Borchers, was a big leading advocate to get this done. So I don't want to penalize Penn State because of this this thing. Let's let's, uh, get some thoughts from some of the folks. Let's go to the phone. Carla, you're up on Sports Nightly.
3: Well, first of all, to the gentlemen in Texas, they've cried enough of their own little tears. I don't want to hear that. That just makes me laugh. But um, I come from it with a different little perspective. I grew up in the state, was a Nebraska fan all my life, lived in Champaign-Urbana in the middle of the Big Ten country for a long time, from 76 to 88. And believe me, you had to listen to the, all the glory that the Big Ten did, hard to stomach. However, I found this decision today very ironic and so comical. The two teams that always thought they got the Big Ten to do what they wanted to do have now done each other in, and I just think it's hysterical. And to make the decision to sit out, and they just have to live with it. They didn't want to do it. They didn't play their six games. Go with it. Too bad, Big Ten. You made the decision. It's not a disservice. In my opinion, it's not a disservice to the conference. Too bad. You made the decision. Sit at it. Sit at it. Live with it. And do you really think that another school, any other school in the Big Ten, would get that kind of support from the Big Ten to help and, and change this? this decision and go with 5 games. Uh-uh, or give them another chance. Nah, too bad. So sad. It's a bad, it's a pandemic world and that's what you're going to have to live with. All right. Thanks, Carla.
2: Yeah, I appreciate the call, Carla. I I uh I I see what you're saying that, you know, the conference you made your bed, you got to lie in it. I mean, I think that's it's a totally fair fair assessment, fair take on your part. Um <laughs> and you know, maybe maybe part of it Greg is the Big Ten deserves this you know for for maybe Kevin Warren deserves this maybe maybe that you know with everything that's happened this year and you know his lack of decision making um, hopefully that didn't offend you Mike Uh, I don't don't know if that was uh, making an excuse or not or maybe maybe it's just another (laughs) snowflake falling from the sky but um, I don't know about you but I, I haven't seen eye to eye with how the conference has handled things you know over the course of the last six seven months and You know, maybe maybe this is the consequence. Maybe you just don't get a representative of the team in the end because of everything that's unfolded. Right, and and I think that's a popular take out there too. I think a lot of people would say, tough, you
1: set the rules in place, you've held to them to this point, why change them now? And again, that may be the decision that the ADs and the chancellors and presidents make in the next 24 hours, but my gut tells me they're going to rescind it and go to five games and let the Buckeyes play Northwestern, and I – I kind of agree with that. I think that's probably what they should do at this point in time, and I know that upsets people. We're just making everybody mad tonight, Ben, I guess. That's what we do. That's what we do. Every practice.
2: We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it.
0: All season long.
2: There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself, and I think these guys are starting to feel that, and we'll keep building it. It's
0: time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly
2: practice reports tonight and every night brought to you by our good friends at jtech construction football is back and soon the cold weather will be too if your windows aren't ready for winter called jtech construction the official exterior experts of the huskers for a free estimate both coordinators speaking with members of the media today offensive coordinator matt lubick defensive coordinator eric shenander will start first uh, with the offensive side of the ball with matt lubick and uh, something that's been prevalent the last few weeks, but really since he's been here on campus has been the leadership of Adrian Martinez, the new offensive coordinator, uh, expounded on that for us today.
4: Well, you know, first of all, the way he handled w- when, when Luke started the Penn State game and he was Luke's biggest fan, uh, not just in practice, but during the game and, and supportive and that rubbed off on everybody. and. And uh, you know, that's not natural when, when a starting position gets taken away from you for people to react that way. And it shows a lot about him as a person. And, that, and that's how he is. I mean, those guys are generally best friends. Uh, you know, he, he got a little nicked up in the game. He was fine. But he's like, hey, if, if I can't throw, I need Luke to go in for me. Um, I mean, that's how they feel about each other. And so, obviously, that says a lot about him. You know, his, his leadership to me, grew, he grows each week. You know, after the Iowa game, which was a, a tough loss, you know, where he had chances to win on the last drive he went after the game and had an emotional talk to our football team about what we have to do to win and how close we are and this isn't good enough and our team responded and it was one of the best passionate talks I've ever heard in the locker room so that's just you know a small story of what uh what he does off the field that people don't see that our our players are responding to
2: it's just he I mean he speaks from the heart he speaks passionately he cares about his team and Um, I said last night on the show, Greg, there are there are a lot of people that and maybe myself included that, you know, if we had somebody, you know, come start for our company that was younger than you and your boss thought he did a better job and, you know, started taking you off your responsibilities and put the new person on. We wouldn't handle that as well as Adrian Martinez is handling the way that that his situation. And, you know, he's a college kid. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know. To have that feather in your cap is is pretty remarkable. He's played really well. I mean, I I hope people appreciate how
1: well he's played the last two weeks. I mean, he's now throwing for over 70%. He's not making big mistakes. Is he missing some guys every now and then? Yeah, but every quarterback does that. He's just
2: been phenomenal, really, the last couple weeks. Coach Lubick was asked, in what ways has the offense been more efficient recently? Here's his answer.
4: I think it's an easy answer. I I, I would agree with you. I think we – the last two games against you know two good defenses, we we played better, but um, it, it's it's a combination of things. It's it's you know the, it's in practice you know being more attention to detail as players and coaches, it's uh, you know limiting our game plan a little bit, um, uh, being more purposeful on, on our reps and and the looks we give, yeah. and then um, you know I, I think because our quarterbacks can run the ball and they've, and they've been throwing the ball accurately, that, that helps us stay balanced. Uh, that helps us stay really balanced, and so it's a combination, really, of all position groups and coaches working a little bit harder and and doing the best we can.
2: Um, but it's yeah, it's just not one specific thing. Speaking of the position groups, the wide receivers uh, have had a really up and down season. Coach Lubick talked about how they've played recently and how the coaches decide how those reps are split. Yeah,
4: I've been happy I, as far as guys striving to get better every day and focus on daily improvement. And the last two games have been two of our better games, especially in the run game and blocking know, guys keep track of stats and the fans see guys catching balls. But uh, we were on the right hats and guys were were moving some guys in some crucial bubbles, uh, which is a big part of our offense. So that was good to see. Uh, You know, we're repping. I think we played five or six guys Saturday. Um, But we feel like we got seven seven to eight guys that can play for us. We feel good about that. And we feel if we get nicked up, the next guy, because he has taken reps in practice, is ready to roll. And I I like our depth situation.
2: I think the depth is okay. We're still kind of waiting for somebody to emerge as – that, that primetime playmaker, that guy that you're going to go get the ball to. Nebraska has Wandale Robinson, who they have a lot of trust in, but kind of waiting for that, that Batman and Robin type, type situation on offense to help Wandale out, who you know had nine catches and over 100 yards against Purdue. Yep, one more guy, and the other one could be
1: the tight end. Austin Allen's really made mm-hmm. big strides too, so it can, it can be that position. It can be another running back, but, yeah, you're right. kind of need one more guy to kind of step up, and it, it could be
2: bets before this thing is yeah. all said and done. Had a handful of catches against mm-hmm. Purdue as well, and most of them on quick passes. Coach Lubick talked about the quick passing game for the Huskers.
4: Yeah, I mean, the quick pa- passing game we kind of look at his a run game. Uh, it h- helps the offensive line as far as getting the ball out quick. They don't have to protect as long. It uh, attacks the defense by making them uh, protect the whole field. We like to attack the whole field, and it just makes it makes it opens up our run game. And so, you know, the biggest thing you know, is, is getting the ball out quick to help our line, uh, making easy possession throws. It helps Adrian's con- confidence. Um, and then we think we got guys that once they catch the ball in, in space, uh, when the ball's on them fast, can make plays with
5: it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've seen a, a handful of those already. Obviously, the Wyatt Lever touchdown was a quick pass and, and great blocking, and I think that it's not getting enough credit on that particular play is the scheme. I mean, Nebraska did a straight switch of the formation um, at the line of scrimmage, brought three guys from the left side to the right side, and Purdue couldn't react fast enough, so credit to Nebraska's coaches for that as well. We'll finish up with Coach Lubick on the mentality of playing the next play. We're all... Uh, familiar with the drive is what I'm going to call it, where there was about 14 penalties. Purdue had just went down and scored, and Nebraska ended up kicking a field goal to go back up two possessions and pretty, pretty clustery drive there for Nebraska. And This was the drive that Coach Lubick was referring to.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a it's the play the next play attitude, and we talk about that all the time because it's easy to get discouraged after after a penalty, you know, and and the odds of being successful in that drive are not in your favor. But I think we had two or three, but we were able to overcome those. You know, we actually got one on on our side too, a penalty that helped us sustain that drive and, and change field position. So. That, that's what i mean things are going to happen in a game that you don't like uh, guys are going to make mistakes it's, it's how you know we talk about that's mental toughness how, how do you handle the mistake can, can you really flush it and learn learn from it can you play that next play regardless of what happened the previous play at, at all out effort with all out focus and so that that to me was a sign of improvement and a sign of just maturity by our guys being able to okay uh, we had a penalty let's go next play and as coaches you got to do that too uh you know you get all of a sudden you're first in, 10 but no you got a penalty or second and 20 well you can't panic you you have a plan for second and 20 and you got to have that call ready to go and, and use that call
2: yeah, I mean it's just sometimes things get turned on their head with penalties and drive killers as we saw but thankfully Nebraska was able to navigate out of that drive in particular and and end up with points so let's flip sides and go to the defense Eric Shenander meeting with the media as well and one thing that was, has really improved the last couple of games is Nebraska's defense against the run, against Iowa um, under a under, uh, four average for their top back and a long rush of 13 yards against the Hawkeyes, negative two total yards for Purdue on the ground. Eric Shenander talked about what's been keying the, the better run defense recently
6: uh I, I don't know if there's a secret just guys doing what they're supposed to do i thought the guys up front um uh, have been playing physical uh, you know striking striking offensive linemen seeing uh the ball carrier the linebackers have done a good job of, of filling their gaps and or giving us an extra hitter when we need it and the dbs when they when they're asked to uh, make some tackles and get to the party they've done a great job uh, so i think it's just a matter of everybody executing um you know and everybody i guess feeling a little more comfortable you know we uh, you know, is, there's no excuses to be made. Obviously, in any season, but um, you know, our team—we we didn't get bowl practices last year, and there wasn't a, a spring practice this year. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're improving. We're, we're, we're continuously getting better, um, and that's not an excuse for earlier in the season. That's just, you know, we're we're getting better as a football team, offense, defense, special teams, um, and I think it's showing up the last couple of weeks
1: sure are. I mean, 2.9
6: yards a rush for Iowa,
1: negative two yards rushing for Purdue. That's back-to-back weeks. Now, this will be a test because Minnesota's going to line up and try to run the football at Nebraska, particularly with Bateman opting out for the rest of the year. So each week's a challenge, but, yeah, it, it's pretty noticeable, the progress outside the balls, ball. Is made, and,
2: and it's exciting to see that happen. Yeah. If ever there was a week to stop the run, this would be it. I mean, Mo Ibrahim's probably going to carry it 40 mm-hmm. times yep. against the Huskers on Saturday. Uh, one final thought from the defensive coordinator. He's got a, a handful of defensive seniors who could potentially be playing uh, their last at least regular season game. We'll see what's what's to come after this. But some very impactful guys that are seniors on that side of the ball. Eric Sanders spoke about them a little bit.
6: They're all just guys that, you know, first and foremost um... – you know they, they picked they picked to come to Nebraska for the right reason. They they love they love Nebraska. They love this university. Um, they love playing here. Um, the fan experience. Um, they love football. They're guys that have embraced the process and it hasn't been an easy one. Um, and it's not nearly over yet. And they know that. And um, these guys have continuously paved the way. They've kept at it. They've had a great attitude. Uh, everything you could ask for these guys I I wish I wish for them success um, you know could have came a little earlier in their career obviously and I hope I hope we get a chance to get them all back and and coach them one more time Um, but I think it's just a it's a really special group of guys and and, you know I I wish the best for them no matter if they come back here for another year if they decide to embark on on
2: other parts of their life but um, it's a really good group some very very Key players on, on that defensive side of the ball that are seniors, and I don't know how many, if any, we'll, we'll get back next year, but uh, some of those guys have turned in some pretty dang good careers. No doubt. It's going to be an interesting story in the next few weeks. Who who comes
1: back, who doesn't want to come back? It's going to be a real interesting roster adjustment for those teams. That's good stuff there. Mention Husker Hoops tomorrow night as they will be taking on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Uh, Nebraska was supposed to have played a game on Sunday against Florida A&M, but Florida A&M had an outbreak of COVID-19, so they had to back out of the game. The head coach had a press conference today and talked about how disappointed it was to get the news about Florida A&M.
7: That. yeah i mean it, it, it was a disappointment michael obviously for our guys they were in the weight room when the word came out that the game against south florida had been canceled due to a staff member uh coming down with a virus and then we made the decision that it was best to not take any chances and you know that, that again we knew the likelihood of something like this happening was very high uh, we you know anticipate that probably this isn't the last time that this will happen for us or for our league so Uh, You know it was it was deflating for the guys and you had to manage it properly to get their minds right and get them prepared to go on to the next step when they lose an opportunity to go out there and compete everything you work for is for those game opportunities and when you have the disappointment of one getting canceled in a shortened season already uh, it's a letdown for the players so we went out and had an upbeat you know more skill work type practice that day we had a good uh, solid workout the following day and then gave them the following day off because of the short turnaround that we're going to have this week it was really our only time uh, to take a break so you know it's just getting the mentality of our players where it needs to be to compete against the teams that we're going to be playing this week and, and again we've had two really good days of preparation uh, you know hopefully have another sharp workout today good walk through tomorrow and, and go out and play well.
1: I think the Oscars are trying to find another game they have a full week off next week so I think they're doing some legwork on that but nothing to announce and We'll keep our ears to the ground. It's going to be that kind of year, right, Ben? I mean, I think it's not going to be the last time Nebraska is going to have to make a scheduled adjustment. It's just it's not. There's going to be more issues going down
2: the road. Yeah, we talked with assistant coach Doc Sadler last night about that on our on our basketball radio hour, and he said, yeah, you know, it's just the reality of the situation. It's going to get worse before it's going to get better, and, you know, dealing with issues with football, and there's obviously going to be issues with basketball, and unfortunate that to happen this early, but so it goes you just kind to kind of move on and this is a huge week for the team so not a lot of time to to sit and think about it you're right huge week georgia tech tomorrow creighton then on friday
1: so all of a sudden you jump uh, from playing summit league type teams to now high major competition here's the head coach talking about is his team ready for that step up
7: yeah, I, I think we've had very good challenges early in the season. And you see a team like North Dakota State, what they've done uh, going on the road, playing uh, Creighton to a 10-point game, having a chance to win it uh, under a minute against Kansas and Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, that was a great challenge playing against South Dakota, a team that's got very good athletes, uh, You know, a team that uh, 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 you know, gave us a great uh, challenge. Uh, the game against Nevada obviously was, was a difficult game for us, played us a different way, uh, you know, a team that I think will do very well in their league. So we've had good challenges that I think will prepare us for this. You know, every timeout is, uh, you know, a new opportunity for us. I've talked to a lot of coaches around the country, coaches that I have good relationships with, and, you know, you're seeing it all over the place. When you see something for the first time, you know as opposed to having a chance to play a scrimmage or play an exhibition game uh you know you're on your heels a little bit and you learn from it and hopefully we're prepared now Uh, to go into 22 high major games and and play our best basketball Uh, starting with this game in the ACC tomorrow then you know a great team top 10 team in Creighton with a one day prep and then having 20 uh, Big Ten games so you know we're gonna have to play really good basketball to have a chance uh, to win these games but I'm confident in our group I, I love their mentality I've talked about it a lot with their passion for the game and their commitment to this game, uh, commitment to their craft. And, you know, I'm confident we're going to go out and compete every night. It will be good enough. I don't know. But we're going to go out and compete every time we step on the floor. It is going to be a big 48
1: hours because you've got Georgia Tech. You haven't played in a week, so you're excited to get out and play. And then that quick 48 hour turn. And that's not ideal to get ready to play your rival. And so that that's going to be a challenge in a, of itself for this team. Here's the coach talking about not looking to Creighton because you've got an ACC team here tomorrow.
7: Yeah, it's it's always fun playing in rivalry games. I, I was part of a great one in the state of Iowa growing up playing for Iowa State. Uh, you know playing four years against Iowa and then coaching in that same rivalry game for five years so to have nine opportunities to coach in a game that means so much to the state uh, you know it's, it's it's a privilege and it's an honor to do that so uh, you know obviously right now our focus is solely on Georgia Tech you know you can't look by anybody and you know specifically a team of this caliber that's coming off an unbelievable performance uh, you know but certainly our guys know they saw what happened last year uh, you know with just absolutely getting and handed to us, you know, Creighton is a, has a chance to be there at the end this year and, you know, is a national championship contender with the players on their team. Uh, but right now, you know, Georgia Tech is is all we're focused on. And then, you know, we'll worry about Creighton uh, when we get that 24 hours to prepare for them.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a tough week because, uh, you know, and granted there are a lot of new players of the team, they're probably still learning what playing Creighton's all about. You know, it's a little, probably a little different, you know, if you've got – a, a, a bunch of juniors and seniors that are maybe from the Midwest. I think Nebraska's got players in like six different countries, so they're not as familiar with the I-80 rivalry as they probably will be when their careers are over. But, um, you know, first things first, you've got Georgia Tech, a team that beat Nebraska last year, and another team that throttled you pretty good in Creighton. So it's a tough week, and, you know, for guys like Thor that was around and Ivan, you know, they're, they're probably ready to, to get on the floor with both of these teams this week. No doubt. I, my guess is
1: that if the coach could have told the folks who picked the pairings and the dates for this ACC Challenge, he would have pref- preferred to go Tuesday, Friday, or move the Creighton game to Saturday. But then you bump up with football, and, and then I know they want to get that game on TV, and you run into TV window problems for that. So quick turnaround, but, hey, it is what it is. All right, uh, Georgia Tech just absolutely throttled Kentucky on Sunday, held the Cats at his 62 points. Uh, You mentioned that these two teams did play last year, so Nebraska kind of knows the style of a Josh Pastner team there at Georgia Tech. Uh, The coach talked about the uniqueness of the defense that the Yellow Jackets will throw at the Huskers tomorrow night.
7: Yeah, they they play a very unique defense, Robin, and it's something – where you saw in their last game against kentucky they forced 22 turnovers out of it they do a really good job in their gaps they play passing lanes uh they've got great hands they do a good job stepping in and drawing charges it's a it's a very difficult zone to prepare for it's very tough to simulate in practice because of their length uh you know it's a one 3 one that morphs back into a based on where your players are and they match up out of it. Uh, That's one thing last year we, I thought, played in our heels a little bit. We have to continue to play fast. We have to continue to play with pace and try to get down the floor quickly, regardless of what defense we are playing against. And that's what the zone is meant to do. It it tries to take you out of your rhythm. Uh, I thought Georgia Tech did a phenomenal job against Kentucky of doing that. Uh, and again, forcing those turnovers, which got them out in transition, got them easy baskets and got them confident early in that game. But I thought Georgia Tech really dominated that game from start to finish. So we're going to have to come out, hopefully get off to a good start, hopefully knock some shots down early uh, and really stay on a, on attack mode for the entire 40 minutes. I'm excited for this
1: one. And you're right, kind of payback after losing in Atlanta last year. I think this will be a heck of a matchup tomorrow
2: night at PBA. Well, and I don't think this team needed extra motivation to play a power Five team in an ACC and Georgia Tech, but Georgia Tech has a couple of bad losses on their schedule. I don't know if our team looked at that, but the win over Kentucky certainly heightens your attention. I mean, it's you know had they had they got lost that game by 15, 20 points, you know it it, it it's not it was wouldn't be entirely impossible to see how they could look past. Uh, a team like Georgia Tech who had been struggling. But I don't think that's going to happen. And I'm, I'm kind of glad they, they popped up and beat Kentucky because, you know, there, there, there shouldn't be any looking past Georgia Tech now after a game like that.
0: That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles?
8: Yes! And that's the way it is. Good night.
3: Beyond the Headlines. Well, all
9: of these questions tonight are are snowflakes in their own right. They're all unique. I've never had these before. So uh, Brett and I got some good ones cooked up for you. He's uh, awful fired up back here. Hard to contain him. (laughs) I'm sure. Settle down, Brett. As always. Hey, I'll settle down. Let's jump into it. Yes, let's. So we'll start on the gridiron, talking about some underdogs winning this weekend. First, one and two Rice took down then twentieth-ranked seven and zero Marshall is a twenty to nothing Owls shutout, and then just yesterday the Washington football team, led by Kurt Schill I mean Alex Smith, knocked off the undefeated <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. So which of those were, was the bigger upset this weekend?
1: Oh, it's Rice by far. I mean, they were a huge underdog on the road. Rice is not a good football team or program. For them to go to Marshall and win was really shocking. It's the NFL. It's not that big of a stretch for one team to beat somebody else in the NFL. And you're referring to the bloody sock of Alex Smith. He got spiked by one of his offensive linemen. He was bleeding pretty bad around bad. his ankle, but he, they just taped him up and he kept going. So,
2: I don't know, Ben. I think it's Rice by a long shot there. Yeah, they were like a four-touchdown underdog. Yeah. Um they had five interceptions yeah. uh just just crazy yeah that that they they had no business winning that game i I gotta be honest though, it was, I think it was fourteen nothing Pittsburgh and I didn't see I didn't see Washington coming back anyway but that was yeah that was a weird four o'clock kick kind of sleepy you know just weird things kind of happen and um but yeah that that was a that was a big big upset there for uh these.
1: The football team in Washington's defense is pretty good. I mean, they got yeah. some guys on really the side good. of the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Really good defense.
9: I kept Benny Snell out of the end zone after I pick him up off the waiver wire for fantasy. So <laughs> Don't get me started on that, Austin. Happens <laughs> every time. <laughs> it? All
8: right, moving on. To Today the ESPN Top 100 NBA Players list came out. And uh, there were some interesting placements on that list, most notably and to the ire of many fans were John Wall and DeMar DeRozan being ranked 81st and 82nd, respectively, while players like Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine ranked in the mid-50s. First off, do you guys think DeMar and John Wall should be that low, and do you guys buy into the hype of these lists much at all?
2: I don't. um, DeMar DeRozan is not a clutch player at all. I think he's kind of missing that that part to his game. And John Wall, how long has it been since he's played in a game?
9: Two years. I mean, yeah, two years. So that's probably time. why.
2: But, Still. no, uh, Zach Levine and, and Lonzo Ball don't, don't deserve to be in the mid-50s. I, I don't put a lot of stock in them anyway. But, yeah, that's, that's kind of crazy to think about that, um, you know, that,
8: that those guys were that much further ahead.
1: What's the date of their first official game for the league for the association? It's coming up here, isn't it?
8: Yeah, they snuck it in before Christmas because Be- I know yeah. they, it's the twenty-second. Okay, McCullough. okay, okay. So t- still two weeks away. Yep. Yeah.
9: Training camps yeah. camps opened up not that long ago. You're going right. to
8: see a lot of resting going on here in the first few months. Is my my. You got such a di- different thing, Brad. I mean, you got you had eight teams
1: that haven't played a game since March. Mm-hmm. Then you had about six that got sent home after playing eight or ten games in in the bubble, mm-hmm. so they're they're not that. But then, yeah, the the Lakers and yeah. the Heat, those teams, <laughs> they got like two months off is all they got.
8: Yeah, LeBron definitely. He, I think he had an Instagram post. That he he showed his uh he wasn't approving of that. Right. But,
2: Brett, didn't they say that? Uh, what did they say? They said uh, they're f- the. NBA is gonna fine teams a hundred thousand for resting players they during relax, TV games.
8: They relaxed the rules on that yesterday. I'm not sure what the specifics are exactly, but I know that they relaxed the rules on resting players. I think it was actually pertaining to just non-national uh, televised games. So it might they might actually still have that hundred thousand dollar fine for the national television games. Yeah,
2: yeah that,
9: that was a-
8: that's crazy. Hmm
9: all sorts of protocols that have to go through with the league which is why like Kawhi Leonard is actually a little bit different because the Clippers have you know explained medically but if it's like an unplanned sort of absence that's when they'll get hit with the 100k
8: and interestingly they're actually getting paid I think each team is getting 30 million dollars this year for uh, not having fans in their stands so a nice little supplemental income for each franchise there
1: yep
9: all right, well, hat tip to Josh for this next question. Hard at work even on his day away from the office. What a, what a great example he set Thanks, for us. Josh. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. So today, uh, Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo faced off on the soccer This is pitch. a
1: Brett question. It, it, it's
9: not entirely yeah. a Brett question. <laughs> I, I didn't ask. Not it. entirely. But, yes, it does sound like him so far. So they faced off for the first time in over two years today. So with that in mind, which two-man rivalry is the greatest in sports history to you?
1: Wow. Hmm. See, I think I think you go more to individual sports th- than you do pro sports. So I, you know, I think I think Federer and Nadal is certainly one of the all-time greats on the tennis thing right now. And then, you know, I, everybody wants to go quarterback against quarterback, which has never made a lot of sense to me because you're never on the field at the same time. But yeah. Federer and Nadal's, I think, hard to beat in the modern
2: era for a, a, a head-to-head competition. Yeah, with Greg's logic, I'm going to go Manning Brady. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah just because i i don't know i i hate i hate tom brady and i love peyton manning although i Same. shouldn't uh so i so i've always appreciated that but um i mean you think about like bird and magic yeah um, yeah you can certainly do that yeah i mean there's tiger there's phil? A, yeah there's a yeah, tiger there's phil a few, to a certain degree yeah there's a few that you could uh that you could do for sure in the nba um I'm trying to think of like... I don't a, really a, see many in baseball. Well, that's don't what I was really
1: trying to think of. A pitcher baseball. against a hitter. But I, I really... Nothing comes to mind about, man, I can't wait to see him face him. But, but not a lot jumps at Bosworth me Bosworth and Bo Jackson.
8: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> About Rugnett Odor and uh, anybody get a license? In that yeah, there
2: you go. Rugnett Odor and Jose Bautista. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone feel like tackling Lamar Jackson? Cowboys basically just fell down and Lamar just walked into the end zone there. That was no, wow. that was no
8: bueno. All right, next topic uh, coming from the NBA. Uh, James Harden has been in the news quite a bit over the last week. Uh, He failed to show up to a few of the team's workouts and was seen on multiple videos across several of those nights partying at local (laughs) establishments and spending a considerable amount of money. Uh, today it was reported that Harden is open to a trade to the 76ers or another contender other than the the one that he is on now, of course. Uh, with seeing Harden's offseason activities and his lack of production in the postseason thus far in his career, do you guys think that Harden has been the problem all along or do you think that he's built to be a championship player?
2: Okay, I'll give my thoughts on Harden first. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had I had like a good hard fast rule my mind made up that I did not like him at all as a player and then uh, I was coaxed into doing fantasy basketball and I ended up with him and then I was a huge fan because he got me triple doubles every <laughs> night and scored 50 a night and and then I was like okay well this is going to be done I'm not you know he's not going to be on my team this year and then our commissioner of our league said that we had a keeper rule. So I got to keep him for another year. So I was a huge fan of James Harden again last year. And the, the great thing about fantasy hoops is you do not it doesn't go to the playoffs. True. So I didn't care how he played in the playoffs. Very true. I don't know if I get to keep him again this year. So I might go back to hating him. I don't know. I don't know what to do. So. Uh, I'll I'll withhold my my thoughts on what I think of Harden in my draft here in 12 days.
1: It, it's hard because has his surrounding cast been good enough to win a title that that would be mm-hmm. the True. the thing that you could sit there and go he just didn't have enough guys around him to get it done where KD has LeBron certainly has he's not in that ilk but he's still a heck of a good player and so maybe he just hasn't had the right guys around him to to get him through, and, 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 and the right system, the D'Antonio system. Everybody loves it. It's fun. It's creative. You score a lot of points, but it doesn't win, right? It doesn't win in crunch time. Well,
2: that that and, you know, the thing about LeBron and KD and even Kawhi, I guess, you know, th- those are positions that can win you series and win you championships. It's hard to win a series as a point guard Correct. by yourself. You need, you need big-time help around you, and, and not to say that he hasn't had any, but, I mean – Having Russell Westbrook, another guard, yeah. you know, isn't balled. Clint Capella, Clint Capella, and PJ Tucker just aren't doing it. Sorry. Well, and, they,
8: and they got rid of Clint Capella midway through the season last year. A lot of people right. thought that might not have been the best decision.
9: Wonder how much different this conversation is if Chris Paul doesn't pull his hammy back a couple years ago. Yeah. they were up three yeah. two, but yeah. maybe,
8: maybe. What if the Lakers trade never gets vetoed with Chris Paul? Let's play a what if game with that.
9: What a spider yeah. web. <laughs> All right, well right, we'll hop across the pond for topic number five. Earlier today, Nepal announced a new official height for Mount Everest that's about three feet higher than the <laughs> previously recorded height from the 50s. It did cost them over a million dollars to get that extra three feet on top, but leaders say it's a point of <laughs> oh national pride God. to have this new measurement. But Excuse me?
1: Why? How many million?
9: It was 1.3 million oh to add three gosh. feet to Mount Jeez. Everest.
2: Oh, my god! So what'd they, what'd they do? Get, hire some people to drop on top and build a snowman for that's three feet tall or what?
9: There's something about trigonometry in the article, and that's when it lost me. So. <laughs> oh, not, not about math up here in this brand. What are we
2: doing? Priorities, people. <laughs> I'd take $1.3 Give Get me in a helicopter. Drop me on top of that, baby. I'll, I'll build a five-foot snowman. For, I don't think helicopters I'll knock go three, that high. <laughs> I'll knock 300 k off the price. Okay. Give me, it's just a cool million for that's me cool to do that.
9: So, so that in mind, would you guys rather climb to the top of Mount Everest, or take a helicopter up there, or would you rather dive into the Mariana's Trench and visit the lowest point? <laughs> <laughs> your eardrums. Uh, Wouldn't your so ears yeah. ears like pop yeah. and explode, explode. And going that far? Can, is there
1: another choice? Is there a C? D- neither it's of the
8: above. I, I so we I ha- so what are our choices? We have top to top climb of Mount, Mount Everest, or bottom
9: of the Mariana's Trench,
8: or sit on your couch.
9: You can be dropped there, teleported there. I, I,
1: heights freak me out, so I would probably yeah. go to the depths, but that ain't a picnic either.
8: <laughs> no. <laughs> give me one of those James Cameron um, little submarine things, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> give me, uh, give me the heights. Give me uh, Mount Everest. Oh, really? Cold. Something cold about and something heights.
2: about something about having those windows break and having that cold water suck in like a vacuum. Yeah. And you can just, you know, your impending doom. It'd be quick though. There, there's no
8: hope for you. Yeah, I mean, be, you know, not, not exactly.
2: There's a lot of hope. There's not a lot of hope for you on the top of Mount Everest either.
8: But no. <laughs> but that's the thing know. is, I feel like if you perish, you know, on the top of Mount Everest, it's a lo- it's a, a slow, slow, uh, slow burn. Whereas in the in the <laughs> in the ocean, it might be quicker. Just saying.
2: Oh, you could just jump something to, off, dude. Something to think I mean, I'd
8: that, take care of you pretty fast.
2: That does. Long that, ways
8: down. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. Well, on that one. way to
2: think about
1: it.
8: <laughs> Let's jump into our next topic. A, a Texas high school football player has been charged with uh, assault after brutal. rushing the field and bulldozing the referee yeah. after being thrown out for targeting. Uh, the video shows the incident where the referee gives the call, walks away, and the player comes from the sideline. As coaches yeah. run after him before he lays a hit on the ref, um, do you guys agree with the charge Good. on the player? And can you remember any other incident of players just absolutely losing their mind?
2: Can we talk about how ridiculous that is for Ugh. a second? I mean, awful. I think in our minds, part of us have all maybe wanted to do something like that, but to actually go through and do it is... <sighs>
8: oh my god it's it's absolutely it's crazy really bad
9: and a high school kid too
8: right yeah that's that's the thing too is this wasn't you know community college i don't know he deserves to be charged i think you you can't do
1: that that's assault Yeah, he, he was 18 too so that doesn't right. help the you you can't do that and and yeah we've seen i mean you we've all heard incidences of like uh, managers of L- Little League or even high school teams oh, going yeah. after an umpire and mm-hmm. doing that type of thing, uh, we've heard of heck Mark Mangino, the former KU coach, was, went after an official of his son's high school game when he was the KU's football coach, and that made a lot of headlines. That's so there's a scary addict. There's out. lots of things, but that this was really brutal. I mean, this kid
2: gets tossed out of the game and he comes charging. Mean, if folks if you haven't seen it, it is whoa it's, it is not a pretty sight yeah. Yeah, and thankfully, I've been thinking about this. I know you hit him with his shoulder pad, but thankfully he didn't have his helmet on either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. True. I mean, he had his helmet off, which which was bad. Pop- I've seen videos of high school kids like throwing punches at mm-hmm. referees on a basketball floor. Yeah. But I mean, to, to use your your shoulder pads, you know, and
9: Whew. on a guy that doesn't see it coming, because you're you're wearing, you're wearing doesn't a see whipping. it
2: coming. He's way bigger than him anyway. Yeah. Um, and then you throw pads on him. That's just that's a bush league move. Yep.
9: All right. Well, we'll wrap it up with this. And
1: Man, you guys have been grim tonight. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got anything to lighten the mood here?
9: <laughs> we, we do, actually, here for topic number seven. So we won't be able to get our flicks picks for the week, and, but I'm going to use this as a chance to get mine in. So here's a trailer for a movie called A Recipe for Seduction. It's a Lifetime movie starring Mario Lopez. Here's the trailer.
3: What the hell are you doing?
9: A Lifetime original movie. <laughs> you don't answer
3: my proposal. And now you're not answering my call. I think I'm falling for the new chef. Jessica is falling for Harlan the cook. Leave Jessica alone and skip town. He has a secret recipe that's going to change the world. Harlan claims to have some secret recipe. A secret recipe? (laughs) Spare me. We all have our secrets. If you marry my daughter, I promise there'll be more
1: long weekends in your future.
3: Mom, I have to tell you something.
1: We have
0: a
3: problem
4: secret's out, chicken man. I'll
3: take care of this. You're ruining everything! you already! Who the hell are you?
4: Harlan Sanders,
2: the new chef. Mario Lopez is Colonel Sanders. In a recipe <laughs> for seduction premieres December 13th at noon, only on Lifetime.
9: You heard that right. It's a Lifetime movie presented by KFC starring Mario Lopez as Colonel Sanders. Your thoughts <laughs> go.
1: What? Well, First of all, Austin is absolutely now a married man because he's checking out things on the Lifetime channel. Yep. So yeah. congratulations, Austin. It I didn't take it. long. But, yeah, you've been you're, you've been converted. Um, <laughs> come on. That's really rich, right? KFC, oh, Colonel Sanders. Man, that's
2: rich. This is unbelievable. I don't even know what to think. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah,
8: it's, that's 2020 for you, folks.
9: Mario Lopez <laughs> looks so weird in the trailer with that little Colonel Sanders goatee, and his hair is completely silver. How do we cast oh. Mario Lopez as Colonel Sanders?
1: Yeah, that doesn't seem quite right, does it, Brett? <laughs> it does not seem way. right. I
8: don't
9: know, man. <laughs> 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 all right. So that's where we're at with, with 2020, oh.
1: folks. So has, has the movie debuted, or is it yet to air yet?
9: I believe it's coming out this weekend.
1: Oh,
2: okay, all right, so
9: set you your points.
1: DVRs,
2: Ben. Olivia will want to will see that. Yeah, she'll she'll have it on. we'll, we'll yeah. maybe maybe we'll get KFC. Maybe we'll get a bucket of fried chicken and watch it. I think that's they the open that's the
8: point, probably. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Are they still open?
1: Are they still All open? Right, never mind. That's another movie. We think them up. We count
0: them down. It's Top Ten Tuesdays on
1: Sports Nightly. All right, topic tonight, top 10 surprise teams, good or bad, in college football this year. This one was fun for me. How about you boys?
2: Loved it. Great topic. And, you know, some, some uh, people, teams on here for the right reasons and the wrong reasons.
9: That's just the thing. Plenty of surprises both ways. I think I have a few more positive surprises than I do negative. So I try to try to keep it you know, a little more positive, but still definitely some, some major negatives.
1: Yeah, there are definitely some of those of what we've seen over the last couple of months for college football. My idea, I'm going to start, unless there's a big objection by one of you two. Not from here. Um, I think I'll let it slide this time. <laughs> My number 10, I'm going the Iowa State Cyclones, and I couldn't put them any higher because they were supposed to be pretty good. We had them in our preseason top 25. They haven't been perfect. They're 8-2. and two. They lost to Louisiana, but still, there they are, first time ever in school history in the Big 12 title game, so they make my
2: list, but only at number 10. All right. 10 spot it is. My 10 spot, I'm staying in the Big 10 Conference. I have the Michigan Wolverines here at 10. Um, probably higher on your guys' list, but I didn't expect them to be that great, honestly. I, now, I didn't expect them to be 2-4. and four. Season got out to a good start. They boat raced Minnesota. I don't think any of us expected Minnesota to be this bad this year, but that was a big game uh, right out of the chute at TCF Banks. Then they lose to Michigan State, lose to Indiana, get blasted by Wisconsin, win a triple overtime game against Rutgers, and lose to a winless Penn State team and obviously didn't play against Maryland and not going to get smacked by Ohio State this week. Otherwise, they'd be potentially 2-6. and six. So Michigan Wolverines, my number 10.
9: Michigan and Iowa State were were tough cuts for me. Number ten, I go to the Mountain West, San Jose State Spartans are five and zero. Granted, they haven't really played anybody, but looking at what they've done recently, 2019 they were five and seven, which is a big improvement from going one and eleven and two and eleven the two years before that, four and eight in 2016. Their last winning record was all the way back in 2012. So hat tip to Coach Brent Brennan, them and the Spartans a little bit of love here at number ten.
1: Very good. All right, my number nine, I'm going to the ACC, and this is on the negative side for me. I've got Florida State here at one and six, just a miserable start to the year. And backing out of games day of the Clemson thing I I just I put all that at their feet for that that just is wrong you got Clemson's already in town and you're goosey because one kid for Clemson got a positive test late on the late night testing that you're not going to play that looked like a dodge to me so Florida State bad season bad decisions I got them at nine
2: really glad you put them on I had 12 teams on my list so I had three teams that I had to cut Florida State was on there. The only reason I left them off is what was their ceiling this year anyway? Probably not real high, so I don't know it's all that surprising. But one, uh, two wins, one of them against a really bad FCS team, uh, definitely worthy of, of being on the list. My number nine, I'm going to the Pac-12. Um, I know it's still really early in their season, but you think about where Colorado football was in February without a head coach. They were the last Power 5 school without a head coach, and they're 4-0. and Not only are they 4-0, and but their starting quarterback played safety for the Buffaloes last year. Um, I know it's really early, but, I mean, color me impressed that Colorado starts 4-0. A um, couple of really close wins. They're able to eke a couple out, but you've got a safety-playing quarterback. You've got a head coach that hasn't even been there a
9: calendar year. 4-0 is impressive to me. Impressive indeed. I'll have a negative surprise at number nine for me, though. Former Big 12 foe, Oklahoma State. The Pokes would have been my pick to win the Mm. Big 12. Look at that offense, what they brought back with Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace. That's a lot of weapons. And even the defense has improved a little bit, but I should have known better with Oklahoma State. They just – can't quite get over that hump and i think that's a disappointment for them they're not in the big 12 title game that they had very realistic aspirations to down to 22nd in the college football playoff rankings not what oklahoma state wanted out of this year but not a big enough disappointment to be higher on the list
1: the pistols just didn't fire week to week did they boys too many blanks yeah yeah too many blanks all right my number eight i'm in the state of oklahoma as well are my for my number eight, but it's the Tulsa Golden Hurricane at six and one. Some amazing comeback wins for them. They have fought their way into the AAC title game. They've had COVID issues. They've had teams that they were supposed to play that had COVID issues, so they're down a few games, but they've been a fun story to follow and a heck of a win a few weeks ago that I watched them rally to beat Tulane in a game. So Tulsa's caught my eye and they their, first lo- their only loss was to the team Austin just mentioned, and that's Oklahoma State. We thought, well, that's a bad start for the Cowboys Tulsa's pretty good so I've yeah. got him on my
2: list at number eight man uh that's that's that was team 12 on my list so I, I'm again tough cut for me they but like Florida State were left off for the same exact reasons Greg I mean uh had the I mean they should have beaten Oklahoma State late late in, the, in that first week and they've, they've won every game since so big time kudos to Tulsa my number eight I'm going to Death Valley, and it's been a death of a season for the defending national champs, the LSU Tigers. I expected them to take a massive, massive step backward. Um, we had them ranked in our poll. It, it, was, it was hard for me to, to piece together how LSU would even look on the field, but it's been real bad in, in Baton Rouge for the Bayou Bengals. Three and five and just getting obliterated. It was the largest point spread ever for a defending national champion last week against Alabama, and they covered. <laughs> so just not a good look for, uh, for, for LSU. I said this last night on the show. Uh, Joe Burrow's not walking through that door. Uh, the, all those wide receivers aren't walking through the door. And more importantly, Joe Brady's not going back through that door. I think LSU's about to plateau very hard. Austin, we need maybe to check in with that sideline reporter that we had on this summer.
9: It does just mean more to them down there, you know. I'll I'll stick in that general region but go north a little bit. I've got Louisville here, Louisville, at my number eight. I had decently high expectations for the cards. Maybe not win the division high, but they made a bowl game in year one under Scott Satterfield. I thought they'd make it back there again this year, but apparently not. They just get in their own way so much. Now there's drama around Satterfield, closed for the most part since Shane Beamer took that South Carolina job but if A.D. Vince Tyra has to put out the statement he does about coaches looking around at Louisville, that's not a great sign. So I expected a lot more out of the cards this year. Help me guys, what, what did
1: Satterfield say yesterday that got him in some hot water about recruiting? Did anybody catch that on Twitter? I missed it. Okay. Now, being honest. He did something, and everybody's like, ooh, that's a bad, bad look for Louisville. And I didn't go dig into it. I meant to go look at that up today, but I didn't. All right, uh, to number seven. My seven was Ben's eight. Here's where I've got LSU. Just a miserable year for them. Three and five. Didn't think they would even come close to matching last
2: year, but didn't see this big of a fall off for the Bayou Tigers. Yeah. My number seven has not been mentioned. I'm dipping my toe back into the Big Ten here. I've got Northwestern up at number seven um Greg I'm going back to something Teddy our good friend Teddy Greenstein told you to not sleep on the cats this year that was before the season started he th- Teddy told us he thought they were going to be a lot better than what people thought I don't think anybody expected them to be uh, this good now obviously you know that that you knocked down with the loss to to Michigan State but to already have have clinched your spot into the into the championship kudos to Pat Fitzgerald
9: Northwestern has a tough cut from my list only because this is exactly the kind of year that Northwestern would go out and win the Big Ten West. Everything's crazy. They've got continuity. It seems like it's what Pat Fitzgerald lives for. So, you know, as shocking as it is, it's really, you know, it makes sense in retrospect, at least to me. Number seven for me, this is where I've got the eggs, Texas A&M. They might have finally made the leap. Okay, probably not. But, you know, <laughs> no. they, they achieve exactly what they're supposed to, and you look at their recruiting rankings. They've taken a step up this year, ranked fifth in the college football playoff rankings thus far. They're never that high. Usually they get tripped up somewhere. They almost did against that same LSU team. They staved it off. They're playing pretty well right now. So I credit them for avoiding Texas a and Ming so far this year.
1: Very good. Hey, buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Up to number six for me, and this has been mentioned. Here's where I've got Colorado. Really good start, but only four games in. Um, I'm not ready to anoint them yet, but you're right. Late hire. Coach Darrell's done a really good job. They look to be a really solid football team. Probably aren't going to play in the Pac-12 title game unless SC stumbles, which I don't see that happening. But, yeah, they they have surprised a lot of people with the start they have. I've got them at six.
2: My six, Greg, you had at 10. I've got them up a little bit higher, but just because my trust level in this team is not high at all because of some of the games they've lost in the past. I've got Iowa State up at six. You're right, we did expect them to be good, but I wasn't really one of them. I've never really been – I was on the Iowa State bandwagon for the first time in my life pretty hard last year, and they let me down. So I was kind of in prove-it-to-me mode, and they have. So I've got Iowa State up at six. I don't
1: remember where we had them in the preseason top 25, but we did. I remember chatting with Randy Peterson from the Des Moines Register about them when we were doing our top 25 poll in the summer. But, yeah,
9: good for them. As I scroll back through our poll, we had them at 23rd. Okay. There you go. So, Rounding out the back half of my top five, another team that's in improvement mode for me this year, but – has followed through as well. Indiana, you know, 9-win Indiana was supposed to be just a, a passing fad, but credit Tom Allen and that staff for giving it more life this year. They played Ohio State a lot tougher than I thought they would, I don't think there's any chance with a backup quarterback on the road at Wisconsin they pull that one out. But that Hoosier defense is legit. They think they're where they're supposed to be right now, at least for this year in terms of rankings. Credit Indiana. They've surprised me with how they've been able to sustain the momentum they had from last year into this. No question. I don't see him
1: leaving right now. I don't know that there will be Mm-mm. a job open that he makes sense for. So I think they're going to have him for another season or two in Bloomington. Yeah. So, All right, to the top five we go. And and my five, Austin had earlier, Here, here's where I have San Jose State. This has been one of the dreads of college football for years. Plus, they're dealing with a local health authority that's made them move. They can't even practice in their own county. They're having to bus places to just get practices in. So for them to overcome all that, and I know they haven't won a huge game yet, but they're five and zero. I mean that is just a huge rec- accomplishment for the Spartans. So San Jose State makes my
2: list in a big way at number five. Completely overlooked the Spartans. So good on you guys to have them on your list. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back out west again and uh, a team that lost last week, but I mean, I. Was, I was sold to their game with Boise State. I've got BYU here at five. I, I really like Wilson. I I mean, he, he's not a big guy. He reminds you a little of Kyler Murray. Where's number one? Got the little headband on when he plays and wings it around the yard a little bit, a lot like Kyler did. And I know they lost a close one to Coastal, but um, I was kind of spitting fire at the BYU program last night on the show, saying I don't much care for, care for their team. But... Um, or I have over the years, but I, they're really good. I got to give them credit. They're they're a solid team, and even though they lost against Coastal, that hasn't changed my mind.
9: All right, I suppose it goes to me now as I look up BYU's original schedule, maybe for future reference. Call that a teaser. Number five for me has been mentioned. <laughs> this is where I've got LSU. Uh, you know they were going to slide backwards. They weren't going to win the national championship again with everything they lost. But it's hard to tell if it's Bo Pelini or Polini running that defense right now. So I expected them to still be a fringe top 25 team. They are nowhere near that this year.
2: Catch uh, Ed Ed O's rant. Did you boys see
9: that this
1: weekend? Holy moly. And
2: and now they've got a couple of players that are first-year players that are already walking. So not a good look. No, it is not going well down in Baton Rouge at all.
1: All right, matter number four. It's been mentioned. I've got Northwestern here. Probably would have been a few pegs higher for me had they not lost to Sparty. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, they've had a good solid year. Yes, they beat Wisconsin, but some of the Wisconsin luster got taken off because they got beat the next week by Indiana. So still a really impressive year way beyond expectations to go from worst to first in the west is a heck of an accomplishment typical
2: of coach fitz's career there at northwestern so i've got the cats at four yeah all right my number four staying in the big 10 i've got penn state here at number four it's been a miserable year for the nittany lions they're starting to turn around a little bit but even turning it around at two wins isn't good enough i remember hearing from Corey geiger before the season started him uh pulling uh, over 20 of the most prominent media members for the Nittany Lions, every single one of them had them losing either one game or two games. That's all the people who cover the team every single day. Well, they've only won two games, and I think that, that's just – I don't think anybody really saw that coming. They had Clifford back. Uh, I know Micah Parsons was gone, but they were in love with their defense. They were finally happy with their O-line. Uh, Jahan Dotson, Pat Friermuth came back. That was a shot in the arm to them. You know, the, the, there really wasn't uh, – any indication that this was going to happen in State College, and yet here we are.
9: Yeah, I've got Big Ten cats up here at number four, but I line up with Ben. This is where I've got Penn State as well. You know, you lose Micah Parsons, then two top running backs go down. That should tamper expectations, but not, hey, we're happy to get two wins expectations.
1: Very good to the top three now. Uh, I've got Coastal Carolina at three. The the Chanticleers, 10-0, and 0, about ready to play in the Sunbelt Championship game against Louisiana. Terrific game, terrific finish to that win. Uh, I got a little soured by them a little bit, honestly, the other night. They were really chippy. They were kind of dirty yeah. in a lot of ways in that game. The way they attacked that punter uh, kind of soured me a little bit on them. But, yeah, you can't deny what they've done. And remember Joe Moglia who's a yeah. TD Ameritrade guy. <laughs> He's the one that got that program started back 15, 16 years ago when they launched that thing. He, that's a, The Joe Moglia fans have to take some pride in what they've been able to do
2: this year. Yeah, absolutely. My three is a former Nebraska should have been opponent in the Cincinnati Bearcats. Easily could have been two or one, in my opinion. Um, they've, they've stood every challenge in the face and and played very well for a lot of the year undefeated um would really like to see them climb up and you know do some damage you know at the end of the year here but um i think we all expected them to be good desmond Ritter's back they had a lot of parts around him they had you know a lot of good good pieces on defense with luke fickle leading that unit um part of me is a little glad we didn't play them this year because of how, how good they've looked but you know they've earned every inch that they've gotten this year in a pretty tough conference so i've got cincinnati at three Another team, not to brag, I will though for us, uh, that we had in our preseason
1: top 25. We knew they were going to be really good, and they certainly have not disappointed.
9: The team at number three that I'd probably bump down a little bit as I go back and look at it. I've got Louisiana here, the Ragin' Cajuns. I forgot just how good they'd been recently. That was an oversight yeah. by me, but I, looking back at it and what they, what they lost, what they brought back, I would have expected them to slide a little bit. So credit Billy Napier for keeping his team there. Normally the Sun Belt is the Appalachian State Conference, but credit Billy Napier again he's doing some really good things down there in Louisiana and maybe just maybe that's another Sun Belt program with some staying power
1: caught everybody's attention week one when they beat Mm -hmm. Iowa State and it was not that was not a fluke they won that game they They beat them up yeah that was not just a tricky bounce at the end of the game that was a decisive win for them that was a tough cut for me I just left them off I didn't know if I could put two Sun Belt teams on my list so I left them off All right, to the final two. Here's where I've got Penn State. I I agree with everything Ben said. I really feel like they got shook by the way the Indiana game ended. Uh, I think they felt like they had that thing won. I think they still would have lost to Ohio State the next week and been one and one, but I don't know that it would have spiraled on them like it has. They seem to have kind of found their footing a little bit. They beat Michigan, whipped up on Rutgers. They're probably going to win this week over Michigan State. I would bet on them to win their crossover game next week. Get to four and five and kind of salvage a little bit of it. But even with some of the departures, this still
2: should have been a top 20 team because of all the things they got going for them there. 100% agree. I'll stick in the Big Ten East. Austin, you had them at six. Here's where I got Indiana. I expected them to be better. Everyone knows I've been all aboard the Indiana train all year but I, I wasn't even expecting them to be that good and then what capped it off for me what solidified them in, in my top five inevitably in my top two was the win last week against Wisconsin with a backup quarterback I mean you go to Camp Randall I know there's no fans there but that's a tough place to go win and they were able to do it with a backup quarterback and really good defense so um, Hoosiers here at two plus of, of the way they played the Buckeyes you know they, they didn't lay down they fought and I think uh, there's a lot of America kind of in love with Tom Allen right now, so give me IU a two.
9: Everyone loving Tom Allen. Tom Allen's loving everybody or loving each other, whatever (laughs) that
1: is. That's a country song, isn't it?
2: I'd believe it. (laughs) I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a lyric to a country song. It very well could be, yeah.
9: Crickets. Well, from crickets to Chanticleers, for all the reasons Greg mentioned, they're my number two.
1: Brett liked my joke. Uh, yeah, Coastal number two. All right, to the number one. I- I've got the Hoosiers here. I mean, six and one. Again, we had them in our preseason top 25, and I totally agree with what Ben just said. What vaulted them to that for me was going and winning at Camp Randall, and really, they kind of whipped Wisconsin, held them to two field goals? That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. What a year
2: for Tom Allen. What a year for Indiana. They're number one in my eyes. My number one, uh, you guys each had a little bit earlier. I've got Coastal here at, at number one, um, and I, I agree with you, Greg. I didn't love what I saw from them. I think it, you know, they were probably fired up, probably a little chippy, knowing this was going to be their, you know, the kind of their one shot to prove it to everybody. Uh, that's no excuse for for some of the dirty play that we saw. Um, so I didn't love that at all. Um, but I mean, to go beat BYU and. You know, that's a really good team that they beat. They have beat everybody on their schedule, and to be undefeated, I mean, this is not like the Coastal team that won the College World Series because that team was ranked preseason top 25. Coastal Carolina Chanticleers were not preseason top 25 in college football. So I'm kind of all aboard Chance Nation right now. Let's, let's, see, let's see what they have for us as we move forward.
9: Number one for me, this is where I have BYU. It's it's a surprise because if you think about what BYU's schedule is supposed to be, nothing like it is now. Here's BYU's original schedule. At Utah for the Holy War. Then you get Michigan State in Provo. Go to Tempe to take on Arizona State. Next weekend, go up to Minneapolis to play Minnesota. After that, you've got Utah State. Then Missouri, who's now ranked 25th. Mm -hmm. play Houston who BYU did beat you go to Northern Illinois still go to Boise then San Diego State Northern Alabama Stanford even if BYU's better I don't know if that's a it's a fringe top 25 team probably depending on how those early weeks go but with their new schedule the way they've looked it's it was impossible to see this coming based on what the schedule was before the year so just by that fact alone they're number one let alone how good they've looked against pretty solid competition
1: they were the only team west of the Rockies to kick it off in September. Because the Mountain West didn't get going, the Pac-12 didn't get going, they were the only team out west that played football in September and October and I credit them for piecing it together. They yeah, got they absolutely. they found a way to get games on the schedule and I kind of think that's what it was about this year and so that alone you just got to you got to tip your cap to them for that. Big announcement from Husker Track and Field last week is they announced the addition of seven student-athletes to the Nebraska Track and Field program, and here to tell us a little bit about that is the head coach of the Huskers, Gary Pepin. Hey, Coach, how are you? How you been? You doing okay? I'm
5: doing good. I fought the virus for a while and, you did? Uh, and defeated it, yeah, for about uh, two weeks, and uh, three members of our staff and uh, all of their wives had it. Uh, but everybody is uh, doing uh, much, much better now. So that's good.
1: Well, good. Well, hey, that's great news. Fantastic. I'm glad to hear that. I did not know that you had been stricken with that. So that is wonderful news right there. How are your athletes doing? Because I know there was a bit of a breakout within the team as well a few months ago.
5: Well, Greg, it's, it's been kind of like around the country, I guess, in, in that uh, uh, we, we have certainly had some issues with it the kids have have uh, been very responsible and tried to handle it in a very professional manner we've had uh, very few instances in which you know, somebody just flat screwed up on something and, and went somewhere where they were supposed to or not supposed to go or something. But uh, we have certainly had some issues with it. And, and uh, of course, our medical staff and our athletic trainer, Brad Brown, and and uh, Lonnie, Dr. Lonnie Albers, have done a great job in helping us and supporting us and giving us advice and all those things. But, um, you know, I've been coaching for a long time, and, and I certainly have never um, – I had a year that was even remotely like this in terms of downtime and and uh, uh, things that and places that you could go or couldn't go, and I'm talking just about in training with our athletes and you know all the sports in a kind of a separate bubble so that uh, we're not crossing paths with each other and that sort of thing. So it it's um, I think that it's getting better uh, than certainly what it was, and I think uh, maybe the. The student athletes uh, are taking it more seriously. And, and same thing with their parents and grandparents. And, you know, you always you have an issue, for example, where you may have, a uh, let's say, a, a young lady who wants to go to her sister's wedding. And so she comes to us and asks, can I go to that wedding? This will be the only one ever. And uh, <laughs> it's pretty tough to tell them, no, you can't go. And so you've just got to make some uh, tough decisions, and they do too. And and but hopefully, uh, of course, you don't know what happens now that so many of them go home. You know, particularly with our team, we have a large team. We have over 150 athletes on the team, and so you've just you have all kinds of of, of cases and strange things that happen. And but hopefully, you know, uh, it's getting better. And 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 of course, with the uh, the new vaccines coming out down the road here, you know, maybe it'll clean things up a lot and stuff
1: no doubt again visiting husker track and field coach gary pepin here on sports Alley. have have your athletes been able to train what kind of shape is your team in right now
5: <laughs> that's that's a really really good question you know normally by uh, now or coming up maybe this week i'd have to look on my calendar we have an inner squad meet and, of course, we're, we're not having that this year for, for mainly all the virus reasons, but same thing with, with um, the mispractices that we've had. And not necessarily just the whole team, but individual situations. For example, I have one young guy on the team that I think that's going to be a real good athlete, and I happen to coach him, and he's in the jumps. And um, he is a, a terrific uh, athlete. And so he kind of, last year as a freshman, he had uh, knee surgery. And so he was, you know, with us, but most of the year he really wasn't able to to do very much. So he went home this year and came back and, and was doing a lot better and everything. And then he had a hamstring injury, of which he was out for a period of time. Well, then twice, his roommate's, Came down with the virus, so he had to, you know, stay in the house there. And so, make a long story short, he's missed about 40 days of practice. Oh, well, wow. that's yeah, that's just, you know, phenomenal and stuff. So we we've had individual cases like that that have been hit and miss. What kind of shape they're in? Some are in pretty doggone good shape uh, that haven't missed many practices or did kind of things on their own. And we have some that uh, were probably uh, a month be- behind where we would normally be at this time of the year. So there wasn't really any need to have a, an inter-squad meet. Those athletes that we feel that are ready, we just try to do some competitive things in practice, you know, with with those group of people. And and the other people, they're still trying to catch back up, just about the time again because of the change in the academic schedule, that was, that's a real tough one. Because now the vast majority of our athletes, they've, gone to, they've dispersed. You know, so you have somebody, for example, we have a girl on her our, on our team that's from out in uh, uh, Wyoming um, on the interstate out there. Well, she didn't even have a, a, a long jump or a triple jump pit at her school to train in. And so now she's going back there for I don't know how many days. I'd have to again look on the counter, but a long time. Well, th- that makes it, you know, really, really tough to try to get rid of a, or get ready for an indoor season. And for us, it looks like that's going to start somewhere around uh, January the 16th. That's even even that, Greg, we we don't know yet. You know, for example, uh, we're tentatively scheduled to have a meet on January 16th, but we we I don't know to this point. Nor does our administration, and they're certainly trying to get me the information as fast as they can. How many people will be able to allow in the facility? So we were supposed to have three teams. And so you have now, because all of our competitions indoors, with the exception of the national meet, which is a little bit strange, but with the exception of the national meet, it's just Big Ten schools only. And so that means that that the three schools that will be coming here on the 16th have a minimum, well, a maximum number of athletes of 32 of each gender. Well, I'm not even sure that all those people will you know, be able to get in the building yet. So it could be at some point I have to call one of those schools and say, sorry, but we're not allowed to, you know, have you come in the building or something. So it's uh, uh, trying times, and and at the same time, you you can't get too down with it. You just kind of, you know, have to roll with the punches and do the best you can and hope things are going to get better.
1: No doubt, Gary Peppin again with us here on Sports Alley. Well, last week you did announce the addition of some talented student athletes that really come from all over the globe. You got to be excited about this group.
5: Yeah, that's that's interesting that you say that because that's that's exactly right. We uh, we we brought in this year uh, twenty one new men and twenty two new women, and out of that out of that group we have uh, uh, seven countries that are represented uh and for the first time we have an athlete from liberia and a young lady from finland uh and we have 13 nebraskans and we have uh two transfers and so uh our assistant coaches uh, have really really been working hard and and are trying to do a good job and And we feel like that—that probably uh, on the men's team to this point, this is one of the better recruiting years that we've had for a long time. And the women is uh, a strong group, uh, but we're still recruiting. uh, You know, there's always—we're like, uh, I guess, I suppose, a little bit, or maybe a lot, like football and basketball, in that there are people that are popping up on the portal all the time. But one of the reasons those people are coming out now, uh, for example, uh, and I can't think of the name, but you can tell me the name of the conference that Houston's in and East Carolina. Well, they've completely dropped their, the indoor season. So those kids that are seniors at a lot of those schools, they're getting out of Dodge. And they're looking for a place to go. So we're, we don't have many scholarships available for the men, but we have some for the women. So we're watching that thing like it's uh, UFOs flying over uh, <laughs> the Capitol or something.
1: That's great. Well, congratulations. Thanks for the update, because I've been curious about whether you were going to have an indoor season. And so thank you for answering that. Good to hear your voice. I'm glad you survived the virus. Let's hope we get this under control and we can get things back to normal in the co- collegiate athletic world, Coach.
5: Okay, thanks. You stay healthy, too, and thanks for uh, giving me a little bit of time.
1: You bet.